Welcome to the Steroids Podcast with your host, Dan the Bodybuilder from Thailand. The Steroids Podcast is brought to you by Ultimate Guide to Roids, 109-page ebook by Dan the Bodybuilder from Thailand. Now, for the first time in bodybuilding history, you have someone with no corporate interests and no obligation to please anyone, not walking on eggshells to not offend. Ultimate Guide to Roids gives you the information, the whole information. The whole truth, not a full truth and a half truth, full truth. Ultimate Guide to Roids gives you the keys to the Lamborghini, gives you the information, and lets you decide what to do with it. It's a crime this information has been suppressed this long. Now let's get on with the podcast. Alright, welcome back to another episode of the Steroids Podcast. It's been a little while, um, so the reason why... It took a while to get a new podcast episode out was because I got the flu really bad. And, um, yeah, it lasted about uh, three, four weeks of the flu, which really sucked. But uh, I took some vitamin D3 injections and uh, took my zinc and uh, took about the last week, probably took about 5,000 milligrams of vitamin C a day. And uh, things cleared up, so I'm back. <laughs> um, you know, the last episode, we talked about uh, DECA versus testosterone or something, you know, or, or not DECA versus testosterone, but DECA only, right? You know, cycling without testosterone. Um, you know what? Before, you know, I had those three podcasts that came out like back to back to back, like each week, you know, so I know that it was kind of like teasing you. To then make you go wait this, you know, wait this past month. Honestly, I wish I could have gotten it out earlier. But, you know, when I record the episodes, I want you guys to have a good time listening. So if I feel like shit, I can't really record the episode. Um, but yeah, so the the Deca only episode, you, you know, a few people said like like what? So 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 this is the way to do it, Deca only, or 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 like it's better to cycle without test. And, and no, that no, actually using testosterone is really freaking good. You know, um, that, that, that was just to supply you guys with an alternative viewpoint. Right. So or another way to do things. So you don't you know, you should use your own head. And, and you know, if, if you're having problems with testosterone, if you're a person who has tried testosterone, you know, I'd really highly recommend trying to use testosterone in high dosages. If you want to be a bodybuilder, if you want to be big and strong, um, if you want to, yeah, if you want to be big and strong just in general, not even just if you want to be a bodybuilder, I really recommend using testosterone at at least a thousand milligrams a week um, as a baseline. And then, uh, you know, if you're having big time problems with that and you've started, if you've tried to use letrozole to cover up your estrogen, if that's where the problems were coming from and, uh, you know, that's not working for you, whatever. Or, you know, if you're somebody who's really sensitive to hair loss um, and and you don't want that and testosterone is causing that, well, then you could you could try this thing where, you know, you use equipoise as a base or DECA as a base, you know, and, and leave the testosterone out. So that's uh, I wanted to clarify that I wasn't, you know, with the episode wasn't saying like a surprise, no more testosterone is good. It, it was just saying, you know, for you guys that were wondering, here's another way to do things. There isn't just one way to do things. There are multiple ways to do things. We can use our own brains to figure out which one is best for us. All right. And the next thing I wanted to say was that if you're using human growth hormone, you know, I have been impressed by how many people have contacted me who have listened to the podcast and told me that they're now using pharmaceutical grade growth hormone and having great results. People have really taken that to heart. Um, you know, that, that I've really kind of harped on that on the podcast 
that, you know, nothing else will suffice. You need pharmaceutical grade growth hormone. And uh, quite a few people have uh, let me know that, you know, they're using that now. And um, I've been impressed uh, by their by their their resolve to do the right thing. Um, because again, you don't need to use much at all. Only a few, a few I use a day and it will have a bigger impact than, you know, like 20 or 30 I use a day of generic. You guys, just to let you know, I, I, you know, I've really done the generic thing personally. You know, I've taken, you know, over a thousand I use of, of generic growth hormone easily during, during my, uh, bodybuilding life. And, you know, I've even taken up to like over 40 I use a day of generic growth hormone. <laughs> Uh, cause I was just like, fuck, I gotta get rid of this stuff. Uh, and, uh, and so, you know what? 40 I use a day of that bullshit isn't even, is, isn't even as good as two I use a day of, of pharmaceutical grade. Okay. And, 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 you know, I used the stuff that was tested and it was better than pharmaceutical grade. You know, it tested out that it had 14 I use a vial instead of 10 I use a vial. You know, I've used, I've used a bunch of different sources, I've used, you know, people who who were like uh, famous, their source, you know, for genetic growth hormone. Really, it, it's so shitty. It's so shitty. And you know what the thing that is cool is, is that if you use pharmaceutical grade growth hormone, it doesn't even really give you water retention. If you stay under like five, four, five IUs a day, maybe six. And as long as you're eating a pretty clean diet, it doesn't even really give you like really like barely any water retention at all. Whereas generic is a water bomb. Um, so that, that's another thing. So I wanted to, I wanted to mention that uh, in order to get the most out of your growth hormone, you're going to need to use some thyroxine with it. So I, I, I haven't really mentioned this so much in the past, um, but, um, you know, I've gone through phases on and off using thyroxine T4 thyroid hormone with my growth hormone. And, you know, from my experimentation, it's really like a night and day difference between using growth hormone with and without T4 thyroxine thyroid hormone. So the difference between T4 and T3 is that T3 is active, T4 is inactive. So the conversion process when the T4 is uh, converted into active T3 is an anabolic process. It's a very anabolic process. And uh, it, it upregulates all of your genes that have to do with your growth hormone response. And, and so, you know, this is why the T3, very catabolic, um, does not help your response to the growth hormone. The T4, very not catabolic, um, pretty, pretty damn anabolic um, because of what it makes your growth hormone do uh, when you take it. So, you know, 100 micrograms, 200 micrograms, 300 micrograms. Uh, per day, you have to experiment with it. Um, T4 makes a fairly enormous difference with your growth hormone use. Um, as far as the speed of your metabolism um, and, and just how big you get, um, how, how full and muscular you get, um, how well your growth hormone is working. Another thing that works really good uh, with, with growth hormone is metformin. And I know that you read so much shit online about how metformin is, is not a bodybuilding drug. but And, you know, you hear all these gurus and stuff saying that, like, oh, metformin is, is a no-go, you know. But you can ignore them, okay, because they know that a lot of pro bodybuilders use metformin, okay. It's a fact. A lot of pro bodybuilders use metformin. And... Uh, you know, whether gurus want to say, you know, that they do or not, or people want to bring up scientific papers or something that says that it's good or bad, it doesn't matter. Um, you know, using metformin with your growth hormone will make you bigger, okay? Sorry, just try it. This is another one of those things where it's like you read all this science and shit, and, and people are like, oh, the IGF-1 or something and, and it's like okay okay so you have your science well now try it and see what happens and it's like a week later you're like bigger and fuller than you've ever been in your fucking life <laughs> these fucking morons dude i swear 
the religion of science. Oh my God, it's such a scam. The religion of science. It's all about experience, guys. With science as a uh, something to help guide you. But experience trumps all. Yeah, so the other day, um, yeah, I'm not in Turkey anymore. I, I was, but I was in Turkey. You know, I was in Istanbul um, after I left Antalya, um, Turkey, and I was in Istanbul, Constantinople, and uh, I was walking down the uh, down the street. I was at a stoplight, and I was I was drinking a a concentrated protein milk. So it's a a milk with uh, like probably 500 milliliters, but it's got 30, 30 grams of protein in it. And they have a lot of that in uh, Turkey. And uh, so I was drinking it. And this guy about mm, 50 years old or so, random guy at the stoplight, uh, Turkish guy says, uh, says to me, he points at my protein drink and he says, is that all you take? <laughs> And I said, I said, no, no, I also take testosterone. And he goes, oh, and, and, and that was the end of the conversation. That was the end of the conversation. So he was, he saw me, he saw my protein, my, my protein milk. He needed, uh, he, he needed, he needed answers. He's, he's been wondering, obviously, what are these, what do these muscle guys take? Is it just the protein? Uh, or are they taking, are they taking steroids? And I told him, I told him the truth. So probably for the rest of his life now, whenever anybody tries to lie, lie to him or whatever, he ain't going to be taking no bullshit because some random guy at the stoplight that he asked, is that protein drink all you take? Told him, no, he also takes testosterone. And there were some other guys, they were younger guys. They were, they were listening in. You know, they when he asked that, they really caught their attention, and they were they were also hanging on my every word. And when I said testosterone, they all started laughing. All right, one other thing before we get to the questions is that you know nutrient partitioning is real. Okay, different foods have different metabolic pathways; they activate certain genes in your body that have to do with muscle building or um, fat burning. Not all calories are created equal. You know, for example, there's the uh, thermo, ther thermic effect of food where, you know, every gram of protein that you eat, just digesting that takes a gram of energy. So even though a gram of protein contains four grams, or sorry, four calories, the net calories from that is only three. So, for example, if you want to drive your metabolism, you know, you eat 300 grams of protein, right? That's 1,200 calories. Well, you because of the fact that you ate 300 grams of protein, you're burning an extra 300 calories that day because of the thermic effect of eating the protein. The cost of digestion for each gram is one calorie. So 300 grams, that's 300 calories. So you ate 300 grams of protein. Well, you just increased your metabolic rate by 300 calories, okay? If you're trying to diet, don't starve yourself. Eat a fuckload of protein, okay? Um, drive your metabolism. Don't send your body into starvation mode. Um, also, you know, all calories are not created equal. If you If you drink... 2,000 calories of sugar water versus if you eat 2,000 calories of chicken breast, it's going to make you look different. <laughs> All right. People just get hung up on this science shit, man. Their religion of science. Their if it fits your macros, okay? There's more to it. Those are the basic, you know, if it fits your macros is a very basic principle for beginners who don't know anything. And they just need something to help them. Okay? But, you know, if you want to optimize your results, it's definitely not if it fits your macros. You should be eating a healthy diet. Not to mention, if you're turning your car 
your body into a hot rod, a Ferrari, by using performance-enhancing drugs, you know that you have to put premium fuel in the hot-rodded car, the Ferrari, or else it will totally clog up the engine and turn it into a piece of shit rod. So if you just go eating all of the shit food and you're wanting to do that, you're not wanting to eat the the meat, the little bit of vegetables, and uh, you know some carbs uh, that are preferably vegetables, stuff like potatoes and stuff, rice. Then um, you are you're putting you're putting the the unleaded gasoline instead of the premium, super grade, super unleaded gasoline in your Ferrari. And you know what? Your Ferrari is going to get fucking clogged up. And then it's going to need major repairs at the auto shop, a.k.a. the hospital. All right. First question of the day. Elias asks, hey, Dan, got some questions for the amazing podcast. I get my gear by ordering it. They are offering Nordytropin and Genotropin pens. My concern is that if they ship it, will the time it is not cold affect the quality of the HGH? I read that the growth hormone pens already come mixed. Yeah, when the when the uh, growth hormone in the pens, so the the genotropin Pfizer growth hormone pens, they don't come pre-mixed. They, when you get them, there's one section of the container basically you twist the pen and then two compartments in a barrel inside the pen mix one is the powdered growth hormone one is the water and then you know it mixes and then the growth hormone is ready to be used the growth hormone pen uh with the nordytropin it's pre-mixed so it comes already as a liquid but um the nordytropin has a very good preservative in it that allows it to be outside the refrigerator without having any kind of um, degradation for three to four weeks. And it's the same thing with the, with the genotropin pens because it's, it's freeze dried. Um, and, and then also as well as other freeze dried growth hormone, uh, if they've never been used before, um, in, including the nordytropin premixed pen because of the preservative that it has, um, they can withstand being uh, at room temperature for three to four weeks. Uh, not in the sun for three to four weeks, but at room temperature. So um, generally, uh, uh, growth hormone that has been shipped, um, that is pharmaceutical grade, comes to you at full potency um, because of the fact of those uh, preservatives or the freeze-dried um, and then the vacuum seal that it has uh, inside the pen to allow it to not have any any contaminants in there and uh it keeps it keeps it good keeps the the proteins of the growth hormone good so if you can uh if your growth hormone come to you your nordytropin your genotropin that you want to get if it gets to you you know in three to four weeks well you know it's going to be great quality it's going to be a great great product uh the second question he had was does hcg need to be stored in the cold um, so HCG is more resilient than growth hormone, but generally it should be stored in the fridge. Like you can store it at room temperature, um, in like a dark place or something like in a drawer, it can be stored like that for a long time. I'm talking months and it won't degrade, but the manufacturer's recommendation is that it should be kept in the fridge. So that's definitely the best place to keep it. Um, but like I said, it's a lot more resilient than growth hormone. So growth hormone, it's more vital that you get it in the fridge. Okay. So like if you got growth hormone shipped to you, you need to put it in the fridge and never take it out of the fridge again, except for when you're using it. Um, but with, with HCG, it's a little bit more not so like you need to do this quickly um but if you use the hcg once you mix it and then you leave it out of the fridge for like 24 hours 
that will kill it. It'll be bunk. So once you mix it, the HCG is also very fragile and needs to stay in the fridge at all times. All right, and um, Elias had a, a third question. You know, he had some good questions here, so I wanted to answer once or all of them. Uh, he, he says, uh, much love from Sweden. Uh, question, he's planning his next cycle, thinking about giving growth hormone a try, mostly for fat burning and staying lean. Uh, 22 years old, so not sure if still produce growth hormone much naturally. Plan to start two IUs a day and increase the dose to five to six IUs. Will the growth hormone give me the great effects like it gives you even though my young age? Yeah, so when uh, when a person is a teenager, their, their growth hormone gets really high, their natural growth hormone, something like five IUs a day. Um, and that, that's what causes their bones to grow. Uh, but then after they're done growing, after they've finished puberty, that level drops off uh, very significantly um, to only a fraction of that, to where um, an adult who is uh, not growing anymore, they've finished growing, is only producing about one IU of growth hormone per day or less, uh, 0.5 to one IUs of growth hormone a day. Um and then that response is pretty, the response to the dosage of growth hormones is pretty similar, like to the response to the dosages of testosterone, you know, in order to get like a really um, significant response uh, from testosterone, you need to take, you know, minimum 500 milligrams a week, you know, to get a, like a, any kind of super physiological response, testosterone, which is uh, about, um, uh, it's about three times like your natural, your natural production. And uh, it's pretty much the same with growth hormone, you know, to get any kind of like, you know, you can get a response definitely from two IUs, but to get like a more super physiological response, like three IUs and to get like, damn, this stuff is really working. It's like four to six IUs, you know, uh, like, you know, pretty similar to the way testosterone is, you know, four, four times, five times the, uh, natural amount that you produce you know 750 milligrams or so yeah that stuff's fucking working uh, <laughs> um so but but it does work definitely at two i use a day um it, it will it will act on you if even if you are young um you know but definitely if you're still growing do not do not take it uh but if you're sure you've finished growing then take it um like I was saying, though, for a lot of guys, it's really going to benefit to um, add the T4 thyroid hormone. So one of the things is that taking steroids reduces your thyroid hormone output and taking growth hormone also reduces your thyroid hormone output. Uh, so you can get kind of a low thyroid hormone output from doing those things. Taking trenbolone reduces your thyroid hormone output as well, significantly more than other steroids. Uh, which is one of the reasons why you gain weight easier on steroids. Your metabolism is um, more susceptible to gaining weight because your thyroid hormone is down, so you're not letting off as much energy. Um, you're just not you're not going as fast. You know, you've got your muscle going on, and and energy is going to the muscles, and it's kind of building up there, but it's not just being um, released, released. <laughs> In the heat response, um, you do get heated up, so it's it's, it's a complicated process, okay. But the thyroid hormone does go down, and it is a significant factor of the reason why steroids make you gain weight when you start taking them, even if it's hard for you to gain weight. So, I would recommend, you know, supplementing with two hundred micrograms of T four thyroid hormone. With your growth hormone. And, uh, you know, if you want to use metformin with it too, you know, I would also recommend that, you know, in my opinion, you know, using metformin, or sorry, using growth hormone is good by itself. But if you use growth hormone, thyroid hormone, and insulin, it's a night and day difference. And if you don't want to use insulin, you can use metformin. So you use growth hormone, thyroid hormone, and metformin, and it's also a night and day difference from using growth hormone alone. Pro tip. Um, yeah, so the next question, Marco, asks, 
question for your next podcast, how to deal with extreme lethargic on high dose of steroids. What do pros do against lethargy? Okay. So if your, th- if your steroids are causing you extreme lethargy, that's not a good sign. It's a sign that you need to change something. So for example, if you're taking a lot of orals, that will cause lethargy, usually. Um, signs of this would be thinking like, I don't like the gym anymore or something like that. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to stand up. It, it costs too much energy. I'm i I'm lethargic. You know, if you're feeling like that, it's, it's a bad sign and you need, you need to pull back on the dosage. Uh, you know, that's a marker, you know, for, you know, how much steroids can I use? Well, when do you feel sick? <laughs> um, if you're feeling sick, you should pull back. Um, now, th- there's an exception to that. When you first start, you know, you're going to have test flu for a couple weeks. As your body gets used to, you know, you're going to have the flu. As your body gets used to this new intruder, high levels of male hormone inside of you. But uh, and, and the same thing happens when you start trembling. Basically, every time you start using it for about a week. Um, but... Uh, yeah, you if you're getting a lot of lethargy, you want to take out the oral steroids. They they do that. Usually if you're on only injectables, you are not lethargic. Um that would be very uncommon. Um you, you know, your blood pressure could be high. Uh if you are not using orals and you're only using injectable steroids and you're still feeling very lethargic, it's probable that your your blood pressure is out of range. Um, personally, I'm I'm genetically um, predisposed to high blood pressure. It took me a while um, taking steroids to to realize what I needed to do to fix that. Which I wish I would have figured it out earlier. But um, I take a blood pressure medication. Tell me, Sartan. I take 80 milligrams a day every day uh, for my blood pressure, and. Uh, Man, has that ever been a, a great thing for me, uh, having my blood pressure be in the good range instead of the bad range. Uh, you know, I have, since I have a genetically high blood pressure, it runs in my family. Um, you know, I have, I'm on the higher side without steroids, and when I add in steroids, man, it really skyrockets. So uh, I, would, I would definitely advise to take a look at your blood your blood pressure. If you've got high blood pressure, you're you're not going to be feeling good, and and lethargy is definitely a side effect of it. And the next question from Dimitri. Question for the podcast: What's better, training wise, doing a push pull legs or a bro split? Seems like a lot of pros I listen to do the bro split. Yeah, a lot of pros do do the bro split. Um, a lot of pros are also very strong. And they didn't always do the bro split. When you when you you gotta make sure that you know what guys did when they were coming up, when they were getting to the point that they're at now. Um, it's very uncommon that um, pros are not able to bench press, you know, three plates for fifteen reps, for example, or you know, four four plates for a few reps. So if you're not doing that and doing a bro split is not causing that to happen for you, you need to change your program so that you're getting closer to that because having that strength foundation is what then allows you to do the volume like a bro split would uh, where you're getting enough volume with a heavy enough weights where the muscles are growing really large. But, you know, if, if, if you're benching... Um, two plates for eight reps <laughs> and, 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 you know, then you're, you're doing a, a bro split that's going to heavily, heavily, um, uh, inhibit the amount of gains that you have. If your bro split is not causing your, your bench press to go, to keep on going up. And it's the same thing like with, with your squat strength and other compound freeway exercise strength. These pros are, are very strong. Okay. Um, and, and they may be doing a bro split now, but it's likely, uh, that 
they did something else to acquire the strength that they have now. Um, push pull legs is good is good for strength. Um, you, you don't need a complicated routine uh, for for working out and getting big. Uh, you know, until you have a a really good strength base, uh, it's very beneficial to use very simple basic routines that work. Um, practicing the exercises that give the most bang for your buck, the most results, practicing them a lot. So doing things like squatting twice a week, bench pressing twice a week, um, doing bent over rows twice a week, maybe one from the floor, one in the air, um, doing pull-ups a few times a week, doing barbell curls a few times a week. Um, you know, you, you need to be doing these these basic exercises a lot and getting good at them. Part of getting good at them, getting strong at them is doing them frequently. And which and able to do them frequently, you need lower volume. Um, so you need less work per workout, but more attempts throughout the week. That works really good for acquiring strength. Um, you, you know, push pull legs is good. Um, it's a good routine. But I, I, I would also recommend for a lot of you guys, a lot of you guys that are that are thinking, you know, I want to if you're thinking something like, oh, I need to build my upper chest. I need to make it even to my lower chest. <laughs> or you're like, I need to build my lower lats. I need to bring them up so that they match my upper lats. If you're thinking stuff like that, it's likely that you're just not big enough. And you need to grow the whole muscle. And and those things will start filling in when you do that. Um, and it's it's likely that you need to get better at the basics. Um, doing doing uh, more of a powerlifting routines, like a Mad Cow 5x5, five five, or um, Starting Strength by Mark Ripto, or, or uh, uh more of a bodybuilding version of starting strength. You know, you can easily find that on the internet. Even though it says the word starting in it doesn't mean that it's not going to work for you because you've been in the gyms for a few years or you're on steroids. You know, it's going to fucking work and you're going to get stronger and you're going to get bigger and the whole muscle is going to get bigger top to bottom. Um, and you need that strength. Uh, yeah, highly recommend it. You know, doing 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 workouts. You know, I like full body workouts. I I like upper lower. I like back chest. Um, legs kind of like going through that rotation and throwing in like you know biceps with the back, triceps with the chest, and you know legs. Um, and doing those extra those workouts like twice a week, one with emphasis on the front of the leg, one with emphasis on the back of the leg. Uh, I like that. I like that. But I, I also am a, am a huge fan of full body workouts. So going into the gym and doing something like six sets of 10 uh, bench press, dumbbells or flat, um, dumbbells or barbell or incline dumbbell or and then, you know, next and maybe even like supersetting that with like bent over barbell rows or going over next to the bent over barbell rows and sometimes doing dumbbell rows instead. And then as the, uh, like a last ex and doing six sets of 10 again. And then as the last exercise doing like, um, doing, doing like a stiff leg deadlift, like Romanian deadlift or uh normal deadlift or squat. Um, you know, if I'm doing the, the normal deadlift, it's going to be lower. It, it, it's probably going to be lower reps. Uh, if I'm doing the Romanian deadlift, it's going to be higher reps. Again, six six sets of 10 reps, something like that. You know, other times I might be going to something like uh, you know, five sets of five reps, et cetera. Um, four sets of 15, you know, something in there. Um, and, and, you know, so I'm, I'm going to also throw in at some point during the week, some, some light bicep work, some light tricep work, some calf work, doing something like that. But, you know, hitting those full body workouts, you know, probably like four days a week like that, hitting those big lifts, you know, it works really good. 
And if you do a full body workout like that, you know, you're only hitting, you know, like six sets of 10 or something like that, you know, so 60 reps per body part. And you can keep on going in, you can keep on going back to the gym over and over again, and practicing those exercises, because you didn't totally burn your shit out, you know, doing a, a total of like 150 or 200 reps or something, you know, going so deep. And, and you're able to gain more strength like that. I'm able to make great progress on full body workouts. I'm a huge fan. Next question. Barbarian asks, huge fan of the podcast. Just had a question. I'm 29, 195 pounds. Been taking 250 milligrams of testcipionate per week for the last year. Ever since I've been using testosterone, my face looks puffy and chubby. Sometimes my fingers fall asleep and I breathe heavy. Figured it's either high estrogen or high blood pressure. I've used Arimidex, but I always feel in a miserable mood when I take Arimidex, so I don't like using it. Do you think taking a water pill would help to reduce puffy face? I also have a urination issue. I have to go every five minutes, it feels like. My urologist prescribed me Flomax, but it hasn't really helped. Uh, it definitely sounds like you have high estrogen and, and like you said, high blood pressure. I mean, I mean, your, your self-diagnosis sounds good. Um, you know, if, if a Remedex is making you feel like shit, I would recommend trying Examestane and seeing if that helps you feel better. And if that's still tr making you feel like shit, try Novadex and see if that helps you feel better. Um, you're going to have to fiddle around a little bit. Um, fiddling around with the the steroids that's part of the game everybody's got to figure out what agrees with them and what doesn't and it's not the same for everybody what works for one guy can work horrendously for another guy um you know i i always you know i have this i have this friend that that uses at least 5000 milligrams of pharmaceutical grade test a week and he doesn't use ai and um he doesn't have any side effects, like no bloat or anything or no estrogen. And I'm always laughing about that because I'm like, if I did that, you know, like I would have tits and, and, you know, I'd be this puffer fish, probably like have a heart attack from high blood pressure. <laughs> so <laughs> That's a really good example of like, you know, two people can do the same thing and have completely different results. You know, it's really odd that you're having such, you know, significant problems on only 250 milligrams of testcipionate per week. Um, you know, I would recommend taking the, if it was me, if it was me, I would take the blood pressure medication. The tell me Sartan one, that's what I would take. If you have high blood pressure, it can definitely put a... Uh, more pressure on your your bladder prostate area and make you feel like you need to urinate more so since the uh you're on a low dose testosterone already and the arimidex makes you feel like shit um the next thing that i would do if it was me is is, is i would i would try taking the tell me sartan 80 milligrams per day for the blood pressure and see if that helped um and then after that you know, I'd fiddle with Examestane, fiddle with Novadex, because uh, you got to troubleshoot. You know, you got to troubleshoot and figure out what it works for you. Doctors troubleshoot with medications too. They're like, "Oh, well, we'll try you on this and see how it goes, and then you'll come back and we'll see if we need to change the dosage or put you on something else." It's a normal part of taking medication. You have to try it, troubleshoot it, see how it goes, change it, um, and uh, you know, I might. If, if it was a really big problem that was not going away, I might go as far as, you know, even halving the testosterone dose or doing what we talked about on the last episode where you just use a different hormone like uh, DECA or Equipoise as your base. You don't use testosterone. If you're, you know, getting intolerable side effects on 250 milligrams a week. Jeff has the next question. I know a lot of guys that are motivated to work out because of steroids, and if they didn't have them, they might not hit the gym at all. Do you think it's healthier long-term to be jacked on moderate steroids or a standard overweight American? Uh, it's an interesting question. I think it's about the same. Uh, the standard overweight, non-exercising American 
has uh, some cholesterol issues, some some blood pressure issues, um, blood lipid issues, and uh, atherosclerotic, <laughs> uh, where the veins are kind of building up, kind of inflamed issues. It, it it's pretty similar. It's it's pretty similar. The way that I think it is 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 it's like. Yeah, if you just live a normal American lifestyle, I mean, I'm not talking about like a totally obese motherfucker. I'm talking about like just a a normal person who is just, you know, they can they could go outside and, and they could run a mile in like eight minutes or something like that. You know, it's just like a normal freaking person. Um, they're they're not a fat fat ass. They're just normal. Um. And and they don't they don't just constantly eat shit, you know Twinkies, Doritos. They they eat, but they eat some shit like every day, and and they're not eating you know a health food diet. They're just eating the standard American stuff, uh, European stuff. Um, I think it's about the same if you're using steroids and and working out a lot, and eating healthy. You're, you're trading your risks. You know, don't don't be that that person who uses the steroids as a crutch and and then puts the uh, the standard unleaded gasoline in his car. You got to put the premium super unleaded gasoline in your car because you're supercharging the car. Okay, your body. All right. So eat a very healthy diet. Um, You know, cheat sparingly. Eat a very healthy diet. Exercise every day. Take your steroids. You know, you're uh, probably on about the same, probably about on the same level of health as those other guys, as those obese, <laughs> not the obese motherfuckers, as the normal American, the average American who's not an obese motherfucker. Dennis asks, question for the amazing podcast. My dad is 71 years old and he's open-minded about TRT. That's cool. Unusual. But due to the culture of treating low testosterone in my country, it's almost impossible to get help. If they help, it would be with testosterone cream. They tell him he is in the lower range of the scale for his age group when they measure his testosterone. Wow, it must be seriously low then because lower range for a 71-year-old. Uh, my mom is 12 years younger and my dad has low sex drive and is tired every day. Should I help him? Yeah, you know, the testosterone cream is going to work really good for your dad. Testosterone cream doesn't work good for muscle building, but for the physiological effects or sorry, sorry, for the psychological effects, the well-being effects of testosterone. Absolutely. It'll go right into his brain, help him be, uh, help him have more energy, help him feel more the way he did mentally when he was 40 years old. Uh, I would expect that because uh, your behavior changes according to your hormones. Absolutely. Older men act different than younger men and they didn't always act that way. It's primarily because of the hormones changing as you get older. They influence your behavior. And uh, when you restore his hormone levels, you could expect his behavior um, and to somewhat his energy, to some effect, his energy levels Reso- uh, reverting back to more when he was about 40 years old. And the testosterone cream works very good for that. The testosterone cream does not work for building muscles. It does not work for bodybuilding. Okay. But for well-being type of things, it's, it's very good. Another one that is very good. Um, if you can get it is Proviron that's made for older men for, Older men who have depression, low energy, low libido, and yeah, it works very good. You know, Proviron is an extremely strong sex drive stimulant. So if you use 50 milligrams Proviron a day, for example, um, with your TRT, uh, if you're like a, a normal dude on TRT, it'll at least double your desire for sex, the amount of thoughts you're having about sex, etc. It's goes straight to your brain and it's meant for old men who have that problem. 
Yeah, I think you should go ahead and get your dad on on the uh, testosterone cream. That's a good idea. Um, Toby asks, question for the podcast. On a strict meal plan that involves only bodybuilding type foods, chicken, rice, broccoli, eggs, berries, I feel great. Yesterday I had my Easter cheat day and ate everything in sight. I'm carved up to the max and got a lot of water retention. I wanted to do my usual 20 minutes of running for cardio today, but couldn't even finish half of it because my shins got so pumped that it really started to hurt and made it impossible to move properly. Is this normal after such a fat cheat? I'm also on 250 milligrams test E, but don't know if that has anything to do with it. Thanks in advance. Yeah, it it does. Uh, not the testosterone, really, but the, the, well, the testosterone to some, to some extent, right? Because it's allowing you to have some kind of super physiological compensation for the the big meal that you had on the the Easter, carbed up to the max. You know, for every gram of carbohydrates that you eat, it brings two grams of water into your body. Carbohydrate, they are very hydrating. Uh, so, I mean, the, the the hydration effect is is a a huge part of why they make your muscles so much bigger looking when you take them and full. Uh, because the muscles become hydrated, um, you, you you know the when when they're full like that, the muscles are full. There's pressure on them. It's gonna feel a lot different than when they're um, more sucked down. They don't have as much carbohydrate fuel storage in them. There's more stretchy room inside the muscle tissue. But when you're totally carbed up and shit, oh yeah, it's very common to have difficulty moving, locking up, uh, getting very extreme painful pumps like in your feet and your fingers, stuff like that. Um, you, you know, and, and some, some steroids too that, uh, you know, they can cause that very glycogen, uh, very glycogen promoting steroids such as Anadrol, Dianabol, I mean, even Anavar and Winstraw can can make you like, especially in your feet, like in your feet or in your shins, just above your ankles, the ankle area um, can definitely make you uh, feel more of that feeling of like, ow, it hurts to walk. And I feel really stiff and like I'm having like a pump or soreness, stiffness in my ankle and foot area, my shin area. You know, even metformin does it because metformin increases the uh, amount of carbohydrate fuel storage, the glycogen storage that your muscles can hold by 30%. So, I mean, it's actually a pretty big contributor to to that. You know, metformin, I've said before, taking 2,000 milligrams of metformin per day has the same effect appearance-wise pretty much as taking like 50 to 100 milligrams of uh, anadrol a day because it, it pumps you up so much with so much more carbohydrate fuel storage. So... Yeah, what you're going through is totally normal. Eat a bunch of carbs. There's a lot more pressure inside your body. Blood pressure goes up. Pressure inside your muscle cells goes up. And uh, a lot more stiffness, a lot more pumps. Kay asks, hey, brother, question for the podcast. I'm on a cycle, 600 Tranace and 625 Test E. If I want to sw- swipe my test out for Test how would I go about it? Well, test D and, and test cypionate are, are more or less the same. You know, they're different esters, but they're similar ester lengths. They have undetectable differences in the effect. So they both last in the body for about a week. They both peak after 24 hours. Um, they both stay elevated for about four days and then start dropping off between day four and seven. Um, you can just switch anytime you want. You can just switch right over to the test D. Or you could just uh, alter. You could take test C one shot, test E the next shot, test C, test E, and then just fully switch over after you've done it a couple times. But you don't need to do that. You can just switch right over to the test E, and you won't even you won't even be aware that you switched. It'll be very um, fluid. Casper uh, asks, "Hey Dan, got a question?" Don't know if you've touched on this in one of your episodes, but here it comes. Is there any way to prevent acne 
during cycle and PCT. Also, if you get acne, is there any ways to minimize or remove it? Yeah. Um, so estrogen is a major cause of acne. If your estrogen gets high, you will likely get acne. Um, so you need to keep your estrogen in range. Number one, uh, some people have acne problems. Uh, they have acne before steroids or um, they had acne when they were younger that kind of comes back when they started taking steroids. That's more unusual. But for guys that have some acne before they use steroids and then start using steroids, usually it goes up. And then, you know, even taking care of their estrogen, it's it's not going to stop it. It's going to you know be worse than before. This is a very easy one to solve. You just go to your doctor and ask them for antibiotics for acne, and they're more than happy to, to prescribe the antibiotics for acne. And you take them for months. You just take them as long as you need them. The antibiotics, tetracycline, doxycycline, minocycline. There's a bunch of different antibiotics that work for acne. And it works very good to uh, prevent acne uh, on steroids or off steroids. Um that, you know, what, what acne is, is it, it's, a, you know, there's bacteria, pr primarily staph bacteria, just covering your entire body and your skin. It's, it's normal. And when you, when it gets into the, uh, the pore, it creates a little infection in there, in, in your skin. And then your body isolates it, produces pus in the pore, isolates the infection from, you know, the rest of the skin, the rest of the body. Then eventually, you know, it pops out, explodes, and uh, you know, purges the infection. So, what the antibiotics do is they uh, make your body an inhospitable place for the uh, staph bacteria to to be in, and so they can't live anymore in your body. They can't live in your skin, uh, so they can't get in your pores and create acne by causing a little infection in there. So the antibiotics destroy the acne from the inside out of the body. They're, they're really effective. There's a two-week purge period, though, when you first start taking it, where you'll get worse acne. Aaron asks, question for the pod. Can you use metformin to acutely block calorie absorption when having a cheat meal? Yes, yes. And uh, it works very well for that, but it's going to be uncomfortable. When you don't use metformin consistently, uh, there's going to be gastrointestinal uh, disruption. You're going to have diarrhea. Uh, you're going to have gas. So if you drop 1,000 milligrams of metformin after your cheat meal, uh, it's going to help you not absorb it. And you're going to have diarrhea and uh, farting, gas. It's going to be uncomfortable, but yes, it will work for what you said. I don't really like using it for that because it's uncomfortable. I'd rather just pop an Anadrol. And Sanus asks, I have a question about Trenbolone. I've heard you mention how most high-tier bodybuilders run DECA and Trend together in the same cycle. Looking to do this, but what is the minimum dosage of Trend to elicit the recomp effects well, I'm not shooting my prolactin through the roof. I'm already taking 850 tests, 600 equipoise, and three to 500 NPP. Would 175 trend be enough since I have all the other compounds in? Yeah, actually, that, that's exactly what I would have recommended. Um, the lowest dosage of trend ace that will have an effect, and it will have an effect, is about 150 milligrams a week. So, for example, if I used 1,000 milligrams of testosterone per week, 1,000 milligrams of primobolin per week, I could take two shots a week of 75 milligrams trenbolone acetate, and it would make a noticeable difference in my strength in the gym. Um... And, and the, the metabolic effects would be there a little bit. So if you've got high other steroids in running and you just add a little bit of trend, yeah, you can just run a little bit, like 225 milligrams a week, 150 milligrams per week, 175 milligrams per week, and it can make a difference. 
it, it it's actually works very well that way. So then you can use a little bit of trend and get the trend effects without uh, you know having to push the trend. I don't I don't think anyone really likes pushing the trend. It just doesn't feel good. If you take enough too, it can make you shake, and then it's all weird because that's socially unacceptable to be like shaking all the time. Okay, last question for the day. Found your podcast a few days ago. This is from Keith. Uh, been listening nonstop. Can't get enough. Been thirty. I'm thirty five. Been in the gym for a few years, and over the last few months, I found I just can't get any bigger. So steroids it is. After all the info on your podcast, only problem is I'm not sure what it will take. Will it be okay to take in my situation as I'm a diabetic? I use Nova Rapid and Lantus. I'm on TRT 250 milligrams per week. My A1C, his fasted blood glucose, has never been better since the TRT was started. Is there anything you can point me in the right direction with or anything you would suggest to stay away from? Any advice would be amazing. Thanks for the great content on the podcast. Uh, yeah, so... It's pretty interesting, but usually TRT for type 2 diabetics, I'm assuming you're a type 1 diabetic, type 2 is acquired diabetes. Type 1 is born with it. Diabetes is when you can't produce insulin or you can't produce enough insulin to cover um, the glucose of your blood uh, so that the glucose builds up and causes uh, damage, causes damage to your, your organs. Um so taking testosterone, taking TRT, for a lot of type 2 diabetics, that solves their diabetes. The first line of defense that's prescribed for type 2 diabetics is usually metformin. And then after that, they start prescribing them insulin. Um, but testosterone is a better, in my opinion, in my opinion, in my non uh, doctor opinion, better better option because testosterone directly sensitizes your muscle cells to insulin. Um, and, and, you know, for example, if you take metformin without taking uh, hormones with it, it will reduce your hormones by 50%. So, you know, if you take metformin, yeah, it makes you your muscle cells more sensitive to insulin, but at the same time, it reduces your testosterone 50%, which then reduces your sensitivity to insulin it just it, it makes a lot more sense to just go on testosterone you know and that's what you said happened with you you went on testosterone and your uh your your blood your fasted blood glucose is now lower than it's ever been because the testosterone you raised up your hormones and that directly sensitized your uh your muscle cells to insulin so now a smaller amount of insulin is required in order to drain the glucose from your blood and get them into the cells. Um, doing something like stacking uh, metformin with testosterone would also work very well because that, that would even make you more sensitive, but not the other way around. See, you know, not taking metformin without testosterone, uh, but taking testosterone first and then metformin on top of the testosterone has a synergistic effect to, you know, really make you very sensitive, your muscle cells specifically, and not your fat cells, very sensitive to uh, to insulin. What I would recommend is staying away from um, growth hormone as a diabetic. Growth hormone uh, decreases the insulin sensitivity of your fat cells, not your muscle cells. Um, you, you know, it's, it's arguable about your muscle cells, okay? It's arguable. Because they, they, there's different conflicting metabolic mechanisms going on from growth hormones. Some, uh, like, for example, IGF-1, uh, insulin-like growth factor 1, has an insulin-like effect at the muscle cell insulin receptor, allowing it to be more sensitive. But then the actual growth hormone molecule has some metabolic pathways that, like, desensitize it. So it ends up about even. Uh, it, it's it's a debatable issue and very complex. Not going to get into it. Um but I would recommend staying away as a diabetic from growth hormone in general because it does directly, severely decrease the insulin sensitivity of your fat cells, which is why people lose fat on growth hormone uh, because the fat cells are basically blocked 
from the effects of insulin. It, it blocks them, and, and which makes it so that they're a one-way street where basically uh, fatty acids can go out, but no energy can go into the fat cell. So you're, when you take growth hormone, usually your blood glucose rises, something like 10 points, some, for some people even 20 points, uh, because their fat cells are no longer taking in energy and because their fat cells are releasing fatty acids into the bloodstream, raises their blood sugar. But uh, as a diabetic, uh, as far as I'm aware, uh, normal steroid hormones, male hormones shouldn't have negative effects on you. Uh, it's really something, though, that you should um, you should you should do your own research about that, um, because and, uh, you know, you, you probably should speak with a doctor about it because you're taking a bunch of drugs for, for your, your diabetes and, you know, you need to know how they interact. And, uh, you know, st taking stuff like insulin, you, you know, you're taking these different insulins, you know, it's very sensitive. It's very sensitive. And uh, if you make mistakes with with those drugs you can uh, get in trouble. For example, the steroids making you very sensitive to insulin, overly sensitive to insulin, or, you know, a steroid plus metformin combo making you oversensitive to insulin, and then you taking your normal dosage of insulin, it being too much, that crashing your blood sugar, and sending you into a coma. Uh, because now you're far too sensitive to insulin, and your normal dosage of insulin is having an astronomical effect on your body uh, because of your high sensitivity um, and and then causing you to get in trouble. So that's the thing with insulin, guys, is that it's so fast acting that one mistake can, can cause uh, catastrophic consequences. Whereas for people who are not using insulin, you know, just using steroids, that's not the way it is. You know, one mistake doesn't cause catastrophic consequences. Making one mistake with insulin uh, can kill you. And, and uh, diabetics die every year from miscalculating um, insulin use. It's usually from, you know, taking too much and uh, going into a coma and uh, dying from that. So I would watch out with that if I was you, you know, you're using steroids. I would watch out with uh, how much insulin you're using. You know, you need to be very careful about um, your increased insulin sensitivity from using steroids and your normal dosages of insulin. All right, that was the last question of the day, guys. Uh, glad glad to be uh, back here recording more episodes with you guys. L love chatting with you guys. Love doing the one-hour uh, phone call consultations with you guys and uh, the guys that do the uh, one-month daily text messaging with me where they... Uh, send me their bodybuilding questions and I answer their questions every day. Um, love talking with you guys. Love it that you guys uh, like to listen to the steroid podcast so much. You guys like this and uh, it's fun helping you guys. I, I can, you know, from, from talking with you guys, that's, that's a big benefit for me is uh, um, you guys uh, having success and seeing that the information being supplied on the podcast is, helping everybody out, helping because most people are good guys. They're not guys that want to scam people. They're not guys that want to, uh, you know, take advantage of people. They don't want half-truths. They just want this truth. They just want stuff dished to them straight, you know. So that's what I'm doing, and obviously I'm under attack from, from the, you know, uh, from the people that, that want to keep the secrets hidden, want to keep the truth hidden. And so uh, you guys appreciating uh podcast seeing you guys get results from the podcast because i definitely see that people send me their transformations before and after listening to the podcast and it's absurd you know major major body transformation so it's very rewarding very rewarding i like seeing you guys succeed so uh make sure to pick up ultimate guide to roids 109 page ebook by dan the bodybuilder from thailand um to hold you over to the next episode, it, it will definitely be, you know, soon. It's not going to be a long wait like the next one. I'm not sick anymore. And I'll, I will see you guys next time. If you would like your questions to be answered on the Steroids Podcast, go to steroidspodcast.com and leave a comment with your questions or email 
or private message steroidspodcast at gmail.com or steroidspodcast on Instagram. Until next time.